0: Was given the privilege of meeting Ashley this morning and, and getting to know some of her story. And she's actually a missionary we support, and she is going back into the mission field in Uganda tomorrow. So, what I wanted to do is invite Pauline and Scott up that we could lay hands on you and and send you and affirm you and and really just lift you up because you're the hands and feet of Jesus in Uganda. And and just thank you, thank you for being being obedient to what he's called you to do and taking that step of faith stepping out of the boat that you may walk on water um, in faithfulness to Jesus so um, I'm going to I want Pastor Scott to pray over her and then we'll lay hands on you and just affirm you
1: I'd just like to invite you guys to stretch out your hands to Ashley as well as we pray for her Father God thank you so much for Ashley I just thank you Lord for for the amazing way that she has responded to the call that you've placed in her life that she left the comfort of home the security of a job, to chase you, to chase the chase the mission that you've placed within her. And Lord, we ask as she, she heads back to Uganda tomorrow that you would just provide her safe travel. Lord, I ask that you would get her homes to Uganda safely, that she can carry on the work that you've given her. Lord, I ask that while she's there that you would just wrap your arms of protection around her. That you would protect her from the from the schemes of the enemy who is trying to derail what you've asked her to do. Lord, we ask that you would protect her from from loneliness. We'd ask that you would protect her from from the, the challenges that come with the hard work that she's taken on. Lord, we not only ask that you would protect her, but that you would bless her, that her work and her ministry would thrive in your honor. Lord, the, the lives that she comes in contact would be transformed by the amazing message of grace that, that she brings. Lord, I'd ask for those whom she's equipping, that they would in turn take the message of the redemption that is ours in Jesus Christ to those to whom they're ministering. And Lord, we ask that you would turn that country upside down in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the gospel. Lord, Lord, we ask that in moments of hard times that she would not forget those of us here who have, have agreed with her to send her out and who are praying for her, who are loving her Lord we ask that you would help us to be accountable to her, that you would help us to be encouragement to her Lord and we ask that you would protect her and bless her in an amazing way and we send her and commit her to you in Jesus name we pray, amen Thank you Pastor Scott
0: as I was worshipping sometimes the spirit stirs in us a word or a verse or something Uh, and as I was worshipping the spirit was pretty clear that there are some people in here going through some difficulties and the word that he gave me was the first part of Psalm 46:10. And in Psalm 46:10 it says, "Be still and know that I am God." Sometimes when we're struggling, we forget that God is still here. In the midst of everything that's going on in our lives, God is still sovereign. God wants to be a part of what we have, but we allow the things of the world and, and, and ourselves to get in the way a little bit. Um, and so I just wanted to give you that verse. If you're struggling right now, as we pray over the message and, and what God has to speak, I want you to be still. I want you to be able to take a deep breath and lay in the grace and mercy love of jesus christ let's pray father god thank you for your word thank you for for your promises in your word that your word does not return void and lord i just ask that right now you work within our hearts to break down the barriers to break down the walls the, the things that build up throughout the week that that keep us from hearing from you today lord so we just ask that you just begin to tear those walls down Uh, Because we know you can. Just bless your congregation, your people, your disciples as they listen to what you have to say to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to be in Romans 5. Uh, The last two, three weeks, uh, Pastor Jonathan did a couple weeks on peace and then uh, on the peace of God. And then Pastor Richard closed it all up on how to connect with that peace of God. And I'm kind of dovetailing off of that, but it's a little bit different, Um, and it actually works in everything. That It's amazing. Uh, I wasn't able to connect with Matt this week um, and just kind of give him an overlay of what I was going to be talking about, but God is so faithful because all the songs were just right in line with what God wanted to speak to you today. Um, So... We're going to read all the way through it, and then we're going to rewind, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to see what this has for us today. Um, You know, sometimes our blue skies turn to gray, but what we're going to find out today is when that happens, when when we come head to head with adversity or suffering or uncomfortability or... Or, or we're in a place that we know we shouldn't be, but we're, we're there and we're dwelling in it, what God has to say about that. So let's, uh, we're going to start Romans chapter 5. We're going to start at the first verse. We're going to go through verse 11, but we're really going to sit kind of in verses 3, well, actually 1 through 6 for the most part. So this is what the Word of God has to say. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, the, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because God has poured out his love unto our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though a good man, uh, for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by His blood, how much more then shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if we are in God's enemy, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only through this, but also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. lot here. There's a lot here. This could be a four week sermon series. But the Lord really impressed on my heart a couple things about this verse. So we're just going to rewind. We're going to go back to first, uh, the first verse, and we're just going to try to break it down a little bit and see what God has for us because God always has something. We, we rejoice in all the promises of God. And one of his promises is God's word never returns void. It may not be applicable to you today, but one day down the road you're going to go, you know what, that verse in Romans 5, 3-5, through Talking about suffering, I can see that. I can, I can dwell in that and I can hold on to that promise. And so uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification. Through faith you have justification. And a better way, well, not a better way, but a good way to understand that is just as it never happened. Picture yourself in a courtroom and, and your laundry list of sins. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the wages of sin is death. So without Christ and his justification, there's this laundry list of, of sin. And the judge says, guilty, enjoy eternity in hell. Harsh. But it's true because the wages of sin is death, and it's not a physical death. It's a spiritual death. It's being totally separated from God for all eternity. It has so much more weight than just a physical death because as Christians, we we have so much on the other side of this life, and we can rejoice in that. But the wages of sin is death, complete separation. But it says justification through faith. Just as it has never happened through faith. So when you gave your life to Jesus and when you, when you said, Lord, come in, be my savior, be my friend, be my Messiah. Wash me of all my sin. He, he washed your sins as white as snow. So when the judge picks up your rap sheet, it looks like this. It's clean. There's nothing on it. And he says, innocent. Go enjoy Eternity with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so powerful that, that through justification, through faith, justification through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. For three weeks, we've been talking about the peace of God. Now we're talking about peace with God. Two totally different things. The, the peace of God dwells in us. What it's saying here is because you've been justified, because your rap sheet looks like this, you can have peace with God. That his wrath will not be poured out upon you. That when you leave this world and you meet your maker face to face, Jesus is going to give you a hug. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in to eternity. He's going to say, I have built a place for you. Come on in. You know just a side note you know people go why do you why do you do what you do why do you serve God the way you do and I says I don't care about the crown that I'll receive I don't care about the mansion that he's building for me in my house there are many rooms I'm going to prepare a place for you for me I just want to please Jesus I will I want my hug at the gates and he says Bob you done good he messed up a lot but when, but you done good, well done, good and faithful servant, and that's enough for me. He can keep the crown. I'll sleep on the streets of gold. It's not a problem. Um, you know, I'm good. I'm good with all of that. And that's that's how we walk with Jesus. That's what we, you know. Our heart is to serve and please Him. Galatians 1.10. Am I a servant of man or God? Because if I was a servant of man, then I'm not a servant of God. Who are you going to please? Are you here to please Jesus or are you here to please people? Because when you walk with Jesus, there's going to be suffering. When you walk with Jesus, there are going to be persecution and torment. People are going to rise up against you. So you need to have that peace. So through faith, we are justified and we have gained access into his grace in which now we stand. That blows my mind. Let's fast, let's rewind 2,000 years. The scenes Golgotha, three crosses, a thief on each side, and a man who claimed to be God in the center. His name was Jesus, the true Son of God. You see, and they. The, the The church leaders wanted him dead because he was disrupting what they knew to be right quote unquote in that day and time, and he was disrupting that he was disrupting their way of life and so they needed to get rid of him but he stood on the he he s- stood hung on the cross well he did actually stand on the cross because there was a foot if you 've never studied the cross there's a foot plate below him uh, because crucifixion. Long story short, is a suffocation. So they need to raise themselves up so they can open their lungs so they can actually breathe. And that they actually don't. Jesus died. Every prisoner that was crucified died of of suffocation. Um, if they hung on too long, they break their legs so they couldn't lift themselves up anymore. And that's how people died on the cross. Uh, but he died on the cross, and he and he thought of you by name. And he said, I'm doing this for you. And when he, when he said, it is finished. And he hung his head and died. The ground began to shake. And the curtain that separated the, in the temple of God, there was the outer courts, the inner courts, and then the holy of holies. And there was this curtain. And that curtain tore from top to bottom. And people are like, big deal. I'll go home and tear my curtains right now. I don't like them, anyways. But you gotta, you gotta go back in history and see what that curtain was actually made of. You see, that curtain was about 18 inches thick, about like this. Actually, it wasn't 18. It would probably be about eight to 12 inches thick, and it was woven together with with like rug, like yarn type material. So it's not like you go home and you tear that thin. Paper mache, they call a curtain at your house. That curtain was thick and that curtain was heavy and it separated the Holy of Holies where God's Spirit dwelled. And it tore from top to bottom, and it it's so symbolic because not only did he think of you on the cross, he said, I'm dying for you. I'm paying a price that you can't pay. On top of it all, I'm gonna give you full access to me. Wow. So you didn't only die for me, but I can come to you whenever I want. You're fully accessible to me. It tore from top to bottom. It gives me chills to think about that. Because that is like, that's like the God who created the world wants to be my friend. And, and friendship is a relationship. And relationship requires accessibility. I have a great relationship with my wife, but if I shut off the accessibility to Cami, if I made myself inaccessible, our relationship would be destroyed one day at a time. But God gave us accessibility to him. The curtain was torn, and now we stand in that, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God because guess what? On the other side of this life, there is glory on the other side of life there is perfection not only so three words that you should not gloss over not only so is like that guy on the infomercial that says you can get these two bottles of cleaners and these two bottles of cleaners but then what does he say wait there's there's more wait there's more and everybody gets excited oh my gosh more free stuff more free stuff Well, God says in his word, but wait, there's more. You get to rejoice in your suffering. (laughs) Can I just get the cleaners without the added additional things that you want to throw in? So he says, be happy about what's going to happen on the other side of his life. Stand in my grace. You have full accessibility to me. But also be joyful in your suffering. No, 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 I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I know I'm going to suffer, but you want me to be joyful? You want me to find joy in our suffering? See, because the infomercial thing, it slices, it dices. That's what suffering will do to us when we don't have the right mindset. See, because Pastor Richard reminded us last week, John 16, 33. He said, I have told you these things so you may have peace in this world you will have trouble promise of god we're not cut and paste christian you can't just say well i want these promises that say i'm going to prosper and he's going to be there for me and he's going to love on me and forgive me but these whole suffering and trouble and tribulation and and all that i don't want those look it's a package deal it's a package deal so he says In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So God wants us to rejoice in His suffering. At the first look, it's a task of impossibility. Joy and suffering. Oxymorons is what they call those in the world. How can you be joyful in your suffering? And it's a difficult one to take up. It's a task to be joyful in your suffering. It's a difficult one to take up. But God says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that we are his workmanship. We're his workmanship. We're created in his image. He's going to mold us and he's going to form us into what he wants us to be. Praise God. Because I don't want to do it on my own. And then in Philippians, God reminds us that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. So we can be joyful in suffering. It's not a... You know, last week we talked about the peace of God and Pastor Richard had said we need to change our mindset. Well, being, rejoice, being joyful or rejoicing in suffering is not a mindset that you need to change. It's a heart set that you need to change. See, because in the midst of your suffering, you have to ask the question in your dark place, am I able to find... Am I able to pursue, if you will, the peace of God that is living and accessible in me in the midst of whatever is going on with me? So, in the midst of your suffering, you've got to ask the question Can I get over my poor me attitude? I'm sorry, the Word of God sometimes is very convicting. Can you get over my poor me attitude? Can you get over my woe is me, woe is me, woe is me to dig deep and find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that is accessible to us, but we don't understand why we have peace, but in the midst of everything that goes on in our lives, we're able to reach down and find that peace. In 2011, I didn't tell the story first service. I'm going to bless you guys kind of with it. I got to watch my watch. My wife will start waving her hands in the back. In the midst of 2011, February 2nd, 2011, my brother David committed suicide. He left his wife and kids, and he wound up in a hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Stood in a tub and slit his wrists. You want me to be joyful in suffering? Six months later, Cammie's brother died on an operating table. I lost two brothers in a matter of six months. We had to dig deep as a family because on my own, I can do nothing. But through Christ, I can find joy in the suffering that was before me. But you have to dig deep. It's not... This pouring out of peace that that you just have to, like a shower, just stand underneath. God wants a relationship. It's a two-way thing. It's this back and forth. So as you're going through suffering, you need to dig deep and you need to pursue him. And when you pursue him, he will meet you where you're at. As you respond in faith, going, Lord, I am going to be faithful to you and what you've called me to be. I am going to be faithful in pursuing peace. God will say, Amen. I'm here. There's your peace. Be still and know that I am God. It's difficult to, it's a difficult task to engage. But God, in His mercy, has given us consequences for this. So as we re- rejoice in our suffering, He says, don't, it's not like, get over it, be joyful and, and, and not, whatever, nothing's going to happen. But just, I command you, be joyful in suffering. He says, I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you, I'll give you something that, that will benefit you. See, because right then it says, not only so, but rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because God has poured out his love unto our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He says, when you rejoice in your suffering, it's going to create perseverance. You're going to be able to run the race better. He says, be joyful in suffering because after you persevere through it, you're going to change. Your, your character is going to be more like me. Because Jesus empathizes with us, folks. He doesn't sympathize with us. He does that too, but he also empathizes because guess what? He left his throne in heaven, came down and was born as a baby in a manger, lived 33 years on this earth, and was sad, was hungry, was tired, was sorrowful. He cried, he wept, he bawled, he wailed. He suffered. He knows what you're going through. God is an experiential God. Dr. Tony Evans taught me that word. I love that word. He's an experiential God. He wants to experience life with us. He's not a God that lords over you and says, do this, do this, don't do this. He's not a do's and don'ts guy. He he has those to guide us and lead us, but he wants to experience life with us. He wants to enter in our lives and lead and guide us and help us through these circumstances that seem insurmountable. He's an er experiential God. Suffering in the Greek, the word suffering in in this passage in the Greek was the ellipsis. The ellipsis. Which meant the crushing. That word is also used when they talked about uh, when they used olive presses to extract the olive oil from the olives. So it was this crushing. So, if you just don't open yourself up to God and allow him to press into you. He's going to try to extract something from your life. There's a reason that he is going to use as you as, as you feel everything closing in on you and you feel uncomfortable and you feel and you feel sad and you and you're suffering if we if we have the right heart set to allow God to work in and through us, God is going to extract something from us. To him be the glory. See, and a lot of times in our suffering, the walls are crushing in on us, and we're screaming out to God, where are you? But the problem here lies, herein lies the problem with this. We call to God and ask him where we're at in the midst of our sufferings because we don't trust him. Ouch. I hate that. Because we don't trust God that he's going to be there with us as we're being crushed, as we're being molded, as we're being as as stuff is being extracted from us, we feel like God has taken a vacation because we allow all the worldly things in our and our worldly coworkers saying, Man, like Job, you should just renounce your God. I don't know why I don't even know why you would praise this God if He's allowing you to go through what you are going through. But the problem is when we trust God and, and, we, and we submit to Him in the midst of what we're going through and our suffering, and He will mold us, He will shape us. He will do a work in us. And when He's done, just like at the end of that, He said, He has 3PO. Now open the accessible door. In the, and then He had where He was at. He said, Open the door. And, and, and he, not only did they did not get crushed, crushed, like dead crushed, there was a way out. When we're going through our suffering, God is not going to allow it to crush us to death. He's going to allow it to mold us and to shape us. And then he's going to leave a way out. It's a promise from God. It's kind of like this. How many people curious what's, what's in these towels? It was just in case I got like super, I was just like, whoo, whew, whew. No. This is us. Just a big, clump of coal, jagged, black, dark, sad, not smooth, heavy. And this is us when we go through suffering. But when we allow God to crush us, when we're joyful in our suffering, when we allow God to press in. See, I could leave this up here. And months down the road without any pushing or pressure or uncomfortability on, on on behalf of this coal, months down the road it will still be a heavy, dark, sad, jagged, sharp piece of coal. But when we take joyful joy in our suffering and we allow God to press in, when we allow God to push in on us, when we allow God to crush us in a spiritual way, when we allow that pressure of uncomfortability and and, and unknowns and, and we put our trust in a God that is always, always, always faithful over time, the pressure that God puts on us to shape us and mold us, we turn from a dark, jagged, heavy piece of coal to a beautiful, perfect, flawless diamond. You see, we need to be joyful in suffering. Because it produces perseverance, character, and hope. And hope doesn't fail. So when we're in the midst of things, we have to have hope. We need to be joyful that God is making us more and more into his likeness. One more thing. Diamonds are valuable. Coals are good for bad kids at Christmas. Diamonds, on the other hand, are valuable. And as God molds us and shapes us and presses into us in our suffering, he will make us a beautiful diamond able to shine for him. But when you take a diamond and you put light through it, what happens? Light goes everywhere. So when you get through your suffering and you allow the light of Jesus to shine through your diamond-like image, all the world can see. All the world can see the brightness and it's not you. It is the light that shines through you that allows you to be the light and the salt of this world. You see, just at the right time, just at the right time, and I had a really good note on this, and I don't know where it went. There was a really good note on it too. Oh, just at the right time when we were... Still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Our salvation is based completely on the work of one man at one time and one event. Our salvation is completely based on one man, one event, and one time. In the midst of our suffering, remember that one man at that one time in that one event, because it is the salvation that is in you that will persevere you through what you're going through. It says, Very rarely does anybody die for a righteous man, though a good man, someone might possibly die, dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. We can rejoice in our suffering because while we are still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, he hung on a cross and said, Kimberly, I'm doing this for you. Aisha, I'm doing this for you. Pauline, I'm doing this for you. Matt, I'm doing this for you. And he named you by names. He he was man, but yet he was God. He had the infinite mind of God, and he could look into the future, and he could say, I am doing this for you. So if he would die for the ungodly, How much more would he do for the followers of Jesus Christ as we walk on this earth trying to please him? He died for you when you didn't deserve it. He died for you when you were unworthy. And then he clothed you with his justification. He clothed you with his righteousness. And we don't trust him enough in our suffering to lean into him, to have him press into us and make us a diamond. And if you're hearing this for the first time about Jesus dying and wanting to be your Savior, you can have this peace. You can begin in your suffering to allow him to transform you into a diamond. It just takes one simple prayer. So I want to pray for you. So let's bow our heads. And if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you hear everything that his word said, not some preacher, but his word, that you that you could be clothed with his righteousness and you want him to be your friend and lead and guide you through this life, it just takes one simple prayer. So while everybody's heads are bowed and, and eyes are closed, just raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. And I want to lead you in a prayer. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else want to give their life to Christ and know that that at this very moment that when you give your life to Christ, that he turns around and he writes your name in the book of life and he says, this person is a child of mine. You will become a child of God instantaneously when you give your life to Jesus Christ. So if that's you, just say this. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't need some preacher man to tell me that. But I do understand that you died for me and that you want to come into my life and that you want to forgive me and you want to wipe my slate clean, Lord. Please come into my life. Forgive me. Lead me. Guide me. Be my friend. Thank you for the accessibility. Thank you for being there for me right where I'm at, just a dirty old Christian. Now begin to work on me begin to mold me and shape me into the diamond that you want me to be so I can shine your light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you get something good out of God's word today?